welcome to a special bonus episode of The Tech Between Us. Hear questions that didn't make it into our regular podcast episodes as host Raymond Yen and guest Dr. M. Ray Yuk discuss green energy storage systems. When do you see the world being carbon neutral? I would not expect to become totally carbon neutral uh-huh. because there are always things that are going to produce carbon, sure, but it's absolutely. not necessary. Uh-huh. Because if we can reach 80 to 90%, we will not be putting much uh, carbon dioxide into the atmosphere and we will reverse the effects of carbon dioxide. Right. And the earth can begin to heal itself. Exactly. And I would expect that to happen by 2050 or so. Okay. So, so probably another 20 to 30 years. Yeah. There are a lot of people who are really committed to the 2050 date. Uh, including legislation on reaching carbon neutral or having renewable electricity. And uh, the administration is fully behind that date. All right. So in your amazing career, you've worked in both academia, universities, teaching, as well as the government, obviously, for the last 23 years. Um, Where do you see the strengths of each? Okay. I love them both. University university work, there is the beauty of abstract science. You know, I come from theoretical physics. Uh, You know, you make beautiful structures, but also working with the students, working with young people. Yes, uh, absolutely. Yep. On the other hand, working with government means you can change the world. Interesting. Because with storage, for example, I've had the Mm -hmm. chance to be there in the front seat doing supporting pioneering research and working with a big team of scientists and engineers devoted to changing the world for the better. Awesome. Are there any technologies that we should retire or actually just stop pursuing altogether? I can't think of any. Okay. So, so everything has viability. At the moment, we've got to push all of the technologies. Okay. So we're not ready to sunset anything yet. No. Okay. What has been your most rewarding energy project to date? Well, again, all of them. Uh, (laughs) Not playing favorites, huh? No. You know, for example, working with Picuris Pueblo in New Mexico, having a group of people who are pushing to become energy independent and helping them get there. You know, it's, It's a fantastic experience, Uh, plus it's a somewhat new environment. Or if you want, traveling through Australia from end to end, preaching storage. You know, at that time, Australia had not yet decided to pursue any kind of program in storage. And they enabled me to go around, as I said, end to end from Sydney to Perth. And, uh, you know, lecture on storage and tell them about the advantages, the potential advantages of storage. And then a year later, it happened and the government put in a storage program. Or another one, funding a hydropower project in an Alaskan village. Very remote. You know, you have to fly in uh, or go by boat. But seeing that the hydropower now works better because we have coupled it with storage. Or I mentioned the high school in Albuquerque, cutting the ribbon there 
with uh, mariachi music playing in the background. <laughs> you know, it's a great experience. So they all offer something. Oh, I totally get that. You and your teams have won 13 um, R&D 100 awards. And for our listeners, these are the, the equivalents of the Oscars for technology. So this is going to be a test. How many can you name in chronological order? Well, since I'm not allowed to uh, uh, pull out the, the chart, <laughs> let me talk about the first one. Okay, great. Actually, it was the first two. Okay, it had to do with measuring magnetic fields on, on transmission wires without actually uh, doing it. But it was actually two projects which won RD100 awards. And we had two tables there, and I switched from one table to the other throughout the evening. <laughs> uh, so these were, this was at the same. This was in the same year then. In the same year, we got two awards. Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, Thirteen is an impressive number. Congratulations! What new technology do you see advancing to prototype or rapid deployment? It could be in your field or any other field. Well, I'll stick to my field. Okay. The nice thing is that we have big solicitations by the California Energy Commission and even bigger by the Department of Energy. And we should see some really good non-lithium technologies deployed soon because that's what the uh, solicitations are for. Okay. So I expect a number of good projects. Previous ones, the technologies weren't quite ready but we are going to get flow batteries involving vanadium, zinc air, thermal batteries, gravity batteries, and many others. How will storage systems help communities who experience energy insecurities? And you talked a little bit about that um, earlier, uh, but um, is there anything else that you want to expand on that? Yeah, it's only now becoming clearer just how serious this situation is, that there is such a thing as social equity. And we are really seeing an electricity divide. Up until about a decade ago, the costs of electricity were pretty much tracking the consumer index. Okay. But in the last 10 years, electricity has shot up much more than the, the consumer index. Interesting. I didn't realize that. And if you are working on marginal budgets, mm -hmm. that really cuts into what you have available. And whereas for most of us, electricity is a fairly small budget item, for underserved communities, it's a much more serious uh, budget item. And any changes in it, uh, reflect strongly on their abilities. And as I mentioned, outages last longer in uh, underserved communities, mm -hmm. and they are more likely. More likely meaning occur more often. Exactly. Got it. Uh, and they may, and this is not just a small percentage, they mm -hmm. may be three times or five times oh, more wow. frequent. Yeah, I mean, there's a big problem there. Right. You know. So like, like you said, there's a large divide happening in energy. Yeah. And people live in areas where those people live in areas where 
the coal-fired power plants are still there, mm -hmm. and there are re respiratory diseases. And then, of course, there are remote rural and tribal communities, mm -hmm. uh, particularly tribal communities where, where you don't even have electricity as such. It's not really cost-effective to run a transmission line or distribution line uh, to somebody who is living uh, in his little house in a beautiful landscape sometimes, but it's remote. Right. I mean, hundreds of miles from a generation station or a substation. So we would like to serve these people with uh, photovoltaics and uh, storage. Perfect. How would you convince others to move towards renewable energy and energy storage systems? Well, we are surrounded by catastrophic events, floods and droughts, tornadoes and blizzards. Becoming more often nowadays. Becoming more and more often. But there is also sea level rise, reduced crop fertility, mm -hmm. increased pest level. All of these things are caused by carbon dioxide, which we ourselves have put into the atmosphere. It's that carbon dioxide layer, which is now double of anything we have seen in the last 80 million years. So we don't need to convince thoughtful, responsible people anymore. It's obvious. Right. Decarbonization is here. It's obvious. And it's just a given. But of course, how to get there is less obvious. Okay. Who is a leader to watch in green energy storage systems? And we're not looking for a stock tip. Or <laughs> but are there true leaders out there that, uh, that you see really advancing the technology? I would say utilities are beginning to be the okay. leader in pushing towards green energy and green energy storage. In maybe a dozen states, utilities have seen that they cannot have business as usual, and they have embraced all of the technologies of the future and are driving them ahead. And the work that DOE can do is to help them reach that goal. Okay, so utilities really are the new heroes of energy storage and renewable energy systems. After being a bit reluctant for a while. <laughs> uh, they, they saw the light. Done. Yeah, they really did. Okay. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Tech Between Us. This podcast is included in Mauser's in-depth look at green energy storage systems. To learn more, explore our Empowering Innovation Together content series and access videos, articles, infographics, and more at mauser.com slash empowering-innovation. Enabling engineers to incorporate high-voltage relay switching in their designs, Little Fuse DCN and Contractor Relays offer 30 to 500 amp continuous carry and up to 1,800 volt rating. The relay's design utilizes a more sophisticated ceramic art chamber and withstands higher pressures and temperatures longer. Applications range from electric vehicles, renewable energy storage, uninterruptible power supplies, and more. Learn by visiting mauser.com slash littlefuse.